Hello. Thank you for joining us for another episode of This Week in AML. I'm John Byrne, Chair of the AMLRS Advisory Board. And I'm Elliot Berman, our Creative Director. We are excited to welcome you to the This Week in AML podcast, where we explore key news and developments in the global financial crime prevention community. John, how are you this week? I'm good, Elliot. How are you doing? I'm good, too. So um, you found something really interesting. The Wolfsburg Group uh, issued a guidance piece on RFIs or requests for information. And this isn't the RFI that you do when you want to hire someone. This is uh, RFIs between respondent and correspondent banks for cross-border payments. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, to be fair, um, it was publicized on LinkedIn. It was on another um, discussion forum of financial investigative folks uh, that I'm part of. Uh, Alan Ketley, who we interviewed a few weeks ago, who's uh, the executive secretariat of Wolfsburg, uh, has been pushing this out. This is a basically a best practice paper. And I think as folks know uh, that have been in the AML community for any length of time that the Wolfsburg group is uh, 13 global banks that they put together frameworks, guidance, best practices to manage financial crime risk. And so they focus on KYC and obviously a variety of AML and CTF related issues. And this best practices is specifically designed for transaction monitoring. Right. So um, as I was looking through it, um, it's clear that it's really focusing on the a couple of challenges that you have in the payment space, uh, cross-border payments where it's happening through correspondent banks. And that's not unusual. Um, most banks don't have direct relationships with, you know, uh, international banks in the foreign country. Uh, they they transact their cross-border payments through um, a either an office or uh, or a bank here in the U.S. Often in one of the money centers, um, who then uh, move the the money on uh, to either to the ultimate uh, beneficiaries bank or to a bank along the way, and it gets there. So some of the some of them take a number of steps. But the point here is. The money moves, but John, as you and I have talked about many times, the KYC that the respondent bank does on its own customers doesn't get passed along with the wire advice. So when the correspondent gets the wire and starts doing its transaction monitoring and saying, oh, the destination's an issue or uh, because of high risk or the uh, beneficiary name pops up maybe not on an actual sanctions list because that should be caught at the respondent bank, but on some other watch list of some kind that uh, the correspondent is using. Uh, what's, you know, how, what do they do then? And this request for information process has been around, um, but it hasn't been as effectively used all the time, I think, as the Wolfsburg Group banks think it could be. And so they've put out this guidance paper. Right. I want to give credit to our, a colleague uh, that we're going to interview and she's been kind enough to be part of uh, conferences, uh, panels that I've been moderating. And that's Sarah Beth Felix, the CEO at Palmero Consulting. She posted on LinkedIn when she looked at the RFI uh, 
key takeaways, and I'll just list one because it's it's simple, but it's so it's so on point. She said, uh, when vetting a new respondent bank, ask better questions. And so she, right. that was a big, her view, a big takeaway from obviously the very specific list of things that the Wolfsburg RFI focuses on. Yeah, and this is an extensive piece, and there is an appendix. Uh, I'm paging through here. I want to get. I want to say this right. There's a all uh, like 19 page appendix that got, and it's called guidance on RFI questions and ex- and expected responses. Now it, they make clear in the guidance piece that. This is not a prescriptive list. You're not supposed to ask 19 pages worth of questions. But I think to Sarah Beth's point, um, you know, understanding what you're trying to accomplish when you're onboarding a respondent bank uh, as it relates to future risks, what their customer base is like what types in the same way that you ask an individual or a business customer when you onboard them, are you expecting to do wires? What's the volume? Where are they going? You know, what, you know, what, what's, why are you doing all these wire? You know, why do you need wire services? All of those KYC questions. It's essentially an extensive KYC on the respondent bank. Um, One of the areas that the, uh, that this guidance document talks about is that, the correspondent banks, if something trips in their system and they're get, and they're giving something a deeper look, they eventually need may need to make a SAR no SAR filing decision if they're in the U.S. or um, the 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 similar document that uh, you know is required in the U.K. or the EU or Canada um, and other jurisdictions. <clears throat> excuse me, jurisdictions as well. So. Uh, one of the things that's important is if the RFI process can work smoothly with information going back and forth, it really helps uh, the correspondent bank in making that determination. Yeah, and as you say, there's you know 19 uh, plus pages of questions, possible answers. So I pulled out a couple that I thought were interesting and obviously pretty, uh, pretty useful. One is to provide the source of wealth of the underlying customer. And, and so the, the Wolfsburg folks, uh, when they say, why is that question being asked? They say, which understandable to us in our community, understand the source of wealth or origin of the income uh, will help that correspondent to better understand whether the customer is engaged in transactions that are consistent with the referred income or wealth. And they use examples, okay, the source of wealth can be salary from employment, business revenue, inheritance, sort of a key KYC issue, right? To understand that's how you can make a decision, as you say before, whether or not a SAR is, should be potentially considered because the source of wealth seems unusual or inconsistent with the type of customer, then, you know, there's direction there to go look further. And again, seems simple, seems obvious, but having these sorts of questions and possible answers listed in this guidance, I think are particularly useful for uh, training purposes, I would argue for regulator oversight, you know, when they see that you have these list of things that you do, uh, and you have to be consistent about it, right? You got to do it for most cases, whether different questions for individuals versus companies, of course, and that sort of thing. And, and they sort of play for that in, in the Q&A that they list. 
Yeah, it is interesting. There's a, a section, um, this is kind of done in slide format, and one of the slides uh, makes very clear, and I'm going to read, it's just one sentence, uh, there is no, and that's underscored, no expectation or requirement for the correspondent bank to conduct due diligence on the respondent's customers, sometimes referred to as know your customer's customer, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, and they actually cite to a um, to some 2020, uh, 2016 FATF guidance on uh, correspondent banking. Uh, as you and I know, correspondent banking has been uh, around for a really long time. And from a compliance and a risk perspective, it it presents challenges because people, uh, organizations who are asked to trans, you know, be involved in transactions do end up being remote from the initiator of the transaction and oftentimes from the beneficiary. And uh, so having enough that they're comfortable um, is tricky. And this RFI process, if it's well implemented, uh, both by the respondent and the correspondent, uh, can make uh, make that uh, go much more smoothly. Yeah, and um, I hopefully I would have come up with this uh, view regardless, but again, wanted to give Sarah Beth some credit. When she posted her thoughts on this, she said the guidance helpful, not just for traditional foreign correspondent banking. And I, and I, I agree with that. I mean, I think there's some of the things in there, um, like timelines, is the respondent bank providing information in a timely fashion or not. And that could be something that you factor into your risk scoring, right? So, but that's an issue that you could have with any client, right? Any customer, the customer is not being responsive to your request for additional information or they're not doing it in a timely fashion. There could be reasons for that. So I take her point that this guidance, while it's very specific to transaction monitoring and Wolfsburg makes that very clear up front. Some of the themes in here, I think you can adapt to other sort of general KYC related challenges, as, as, as uh, I would put it. Uh, I agree with you, but I, and I think you and I have talked about that, that general concept many times, and that is that a lot of what we do in the financial crime prevention process you use in a lot of different parts of it. You might turn it just a little bit or tune it just a little bit, but the basic principles of, you know, high quality information gathered in a timely way, responsive clients, uh, effective analysis, all of those things, those really, you know, work in all the different facets of financial crime prevention. Um, and I think Sarah Beth, again, Sarah Beth's, uh, call out is uh, spot on. Right. And just to, to remind folks, uh, I was able to sit down with their uh, executive secretary, uh, Alan Ketley, a few weeks ago. So if you want to learn more information high level about the Wolfsburg group, uh, take a look at that uh, on our AML conversations. And um, uh, this particular uh, Wolfsburg, it's on the Wolfsburg website. A lot of people have posted it on LinkedIn, so you can find it there. Uh, but it was just uh, introduced um, middle of the week this week. Yes. Uh, so, John, uh, by the time people hear this episode, uh, 
uh, our uh, Thursday webinar will be complete. Uh, but I know you've you've been uh, burning up the microphone, uh, recording a lot of podcasts. So tell us uh, a few things that are coming in the next couple of days. Yeah. So uh, given what's going on uh, in the U.S. regarding a, uh, both unfounded and, in my humble opinion, disgusting attacks on both the FBI and the IRS, we got two individuals that I couldn't think of better people to talk to about the impact that this had on the working men and women in those agencies. Don Fort, former ISCI chief, he and I sat down yesterday. And I also talked to Dennis Lormel, the former head of TFOS, but currently the president of the Society of Retired FBI Agents, who sent a letter um, uh, or a public statement, as it were, regarding the FBI's handling of the search warrant in the Mar-a-Lago situation and also uh, the unfortunate and sad response uh, from policymakers. So that conversation will give you an insight into both uh, the legal process, how it was carefully crafted, but also sort of the emotional impact that attacks can have day to day. And we've seen that some of that already. The IRS is looking at all of their um, org- um, buildings around the country to ramp up security, sadly, because they think that's necessary. So those two interviews will, will come up in the next few days and urge folks to listen to that. And I urge our AML community to stand strong. We need to have the backs of the men and women in, in IRS, FBI, Homeland Security, and other law enforcement agencies. Yes, absolutely. Full, uh, I'm in, uh, as you know, I fully agree with you. Um, uh, a, a little bit of a look out to the end of September on September 29th, uh, our live streamed we- webinar, which will be at noon uh, Eastern time, will be on ESG, A More Sustainable Future. Uh, and this, um, this particular webinar is um, certainly going to cover the topic broadly, but it is going to specifically uh, focus on some things that are going on in the EU and the UK. Um, and there, are, of course, are things going on here in the US as well. So uh, uh, you should, you'll be able to register for that starting Friday uh, when you hear this. So, John, have a uh, great weekend, and I will talk to you next week. Take care, Elliot. Yep. Bye-bye.